This is episode number one of the Paleo Women Podcast. Hey friends, we're so excited you're here with us today. I'm Noelle Tarr, nutritional therapy practitioner and author of everything at coconutsandkettlebells.com. And I'm here with Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature, PCOS Unlocked, and Weight Loss Unlocked. And she's the woman behind everything at paleoforwomen.com. Today, we're so excited to bring to you our first episode where we'll be introducing you to us and discussing struggling with weight loss on paleo, finding the right carb intake for you, and our favorite travel snacks. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and shouldn't be considered a substitute for medical advice or treatment of any kind. Stephanie, what's up, girl? Yo, um... Not much. It's it's really interesting to um, be doing this for my own show. I, I for years and years, I can't tell you how many podcasts I've done, um, <laughs> but it's been a long time since we've been like, I'm the host. What's up? He spotlights right. on you. Ta-da! <laughs> um, yeah, not a whole lot. It's uh, it's getting close to 11 p.m. my time, mm-hmm. so I'm uh, winding down and. Uh, very excited to be here. So how's Spain? How's Spain? Um, it's good. 68 Fahrenheit uh, and sunny today. So I'm so jealous. I know. Yeah. You I did know. it People right doing like, that in February because no, I just, ugh, Fe- February is the worst month for those of us in the Northeast. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I, I ordinarily live in Boston, but that was kind of the whole point. I had a couple of big motivating factors for leaving, and top of the list was snow. I commute by bike in Boston, and I just I can't even tell you how unfun it is to ride your bike when it's you know negative even, twenty and even, snow. Yeah, how how do you do that with the snow? I mean, that doesn't. Are you, are you well? You can get you can get snow tires, but I don't oh. because I'm horrible and cheap and lazy, <laughs> and you go very slowly. Like there's a trick to riding in the snow. Like there's a trick to driving in the snow. Um, I I have had my fair share of spills in the winter, but mostly it's just, God, it just hurts. It hurts (laughs) so much when it gets like really cold. It just hurts. That's funny. No, I have two, I actually have two bikes. I have a commuter bike that I commute back and forth on. And then I have a road bike and um, I would never consider riding in the snow. (laughs) I guess that I guess that makes you hardcore, but there is no way. Like, th- no thanks. <laughs> Especially yeah, no, salt. I love it. I feel like the salt would get all in your tires and screw it up, like in your chain. Well, just like you, I have a nice, I have a super fancy road bike I bought with student loan money. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, all right, uh, may as well buy something expensive. And then um, I have a very old bike that I use for all my commuting and. Cost me just like a couple hundred dollars, and I got it in high school. And I just, I am so emotionally attached to it. But the poor thing, like the derail, both derailers are broken. Like I have things like kind of just hammered in there. It can, I can only ride it in one gear only. If I lend it to people, I'm like, don't change the gears, can't use the front brakes. Like it's got issues, you know, but it works and I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you have, you know, a bike that you love. 
just thank you. I yeah. do. <laughs> I, I have a bike that I love, but fortunately, um, I am mobile. You know, I, I've I've got this wonderful living where I can yeah go to Spain if I feel like it. So I'm in Spain. I've got to admit, like it's. it's not quite the epic dream everybody I, I always tells me it is, but I am really enjoying it anyway. And the language is lovely and the weather is lovely and the dancing is lovely. So I can't, I cannot complain. And the men? Well, <laughs> that's another podcast. I will say very briefly that they look delightful. That's always nice. I, I cannot I cannot say much for the way that they have made me feel about myself. Oh gosh. <laughs> Wait, on a body image on a podcast that's kind of about body image, I should yeah. clarify that that's not an issue. Yeah. I just okay. um Yeah. I'm normally I'm normally feel like pretty successful with guys. I'll put it that way. Okay. And here I'm just I'm like striking out left and right. Okay. Well, you you don't it's not your first language, so Give yourself some time to adapt. Some languages are supposed to be international. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, that what they say? Well, just anyway. you just got to work on your, your your Spanish game. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am, in fact, working pretty hard. <laughs> okay, pretty hard. well, we'll talk about that. Yes. We'll get updates at another time. Um, yeah. But since this is our first podcast, let's go ahead and kind of give a little bit of a description of who you are, where you came from, how you, how you found paleo, um, so people can get to know you. Great. I'm awesome. Just <laughs> kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, paleo. I found paleo through my mother, whose life was kind of practically literally saved by paleo. She had really terrible knee pain. You know, she, could, she couldn't even walk, uh, glaucoma, lots of uh, joint pain, all that sort of stuff. And she started eating paleo, and I didn't even know it because I wasn't living with her at this point. And it's miraculously, you know, she shed weight. She began being able to walk and ride her bike again. I just, we don't, we don't know why, but, you know, we say prayers of thanks every day. And... I personally had lost a lot of weight and I was really thin. And this was not on paleo. This was on like super restriction starvation mode because mm. um, that was, I don't know, I thought that was the right thing to do. And I had lost my fertility. I'd lost my period. My mental health was deteriorating. And my mother recommended paleo to me. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Kind of. <laughs> At first, I was really upset because vegetarianism was really important to me from like mm -hmm. a moral standpoint mm -hmm. but paleo like it won me over on health and it also you know in terms of going to local agriculture and all of the things it won me over on ethics too and so I jumped in head first and I started eating paleo but I also I didn't get the health things back that I wanted you know I had terrible acne that didn't go away and the fertility problem and all of that and I I later discovered, you know, I did a lot of research um, as an obsessively uh, need to fix all of the wrong things kind of person. And I realized that it wasn't just the paleo foods that I needed to pay attention to, but the way in which I was eating them. You know, like 
Back in the day, <laughs> back in the day when Paleo Hacks was just getting started and it was Mark's blog and Chris Cresser wasn't even famous yet, you know, back in the day, um, the paleo world was really dominated by men and not in any sort of misogynistic way, but it just so happened to be that way. Maybe because of the whole, because uh, of fitness or Mark's influence or whatever. Um, and so a lot of the advice, like they just, it turns out that the advice out there wasn't good for women, but we didn't know it because women hadn't researched it that extensively or looked into female specific problems and all that stuff. And so I began to realize that there were standard paleo things like eat a low carb diet and fast and exercise in X, Y, Z certain ways that actually were harmful for a lot of women. So I started a blog and then I wrote some books uh, and then I built a community and here I am today. And I think a little bit, hopefully a lot of bit wiser than I was when I started it, but still with the same mission, still with the same shtick, you know, still representing the lady folk. Ta-da. We so appreciate you representing us. <laughs> I, mean, I mean representing and like the I'm representing sort of way oh, not yeah. like the I am your leader sort of way <laughs> but like I'm on your team yeah <laughs> I'm on the team and you're on the team I am on the obviously. team you're big time on the team yeah um so what about your involvement on the team I mean I know that your blogging isn't all for women but I know that you get what we're doing and that you have your own history and stuff. Oh, totally. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, I actually, um, I got in a little bit early in the game in terms of researching and getting involved with paleo. Um, but it really started when I was about, uh, when I was 10, um, about 10 or 11, my, I actually struggled quite a bit with um, IBS. And as a kid, it was really, really hard to deal with, um, especially just missing out on certain activities and birthday parties and stuff like that. It was really bad. And my mom sat me down one day and said, you know, Noelle, if we could change your diet, would you and get rid of your EB IBS, would you except we didn't call it IBS, we called it stomach aches. So if you could get rid of your stomach aches, would you would you be willing to do that, even though it would maybe remove some of your favorite foods? And I told her absolutely yes. So it started us on a vegetarian diet, and it was actually called the Hallelujah Diet, where it was all raw foods <laughs> and um, carrot juice and barley green and, you know, all these wonderful things. Wow. It, was, it was a great detox diet, right? Like, of course, I felt great, and we all felt great. But over time, <laughs> because it was such a hard diet, we started introducing, not, I mean, vegetarian foods back in, non-meat foods like gluten and dairy and all that stuff. So basically, throughout my adolescence, I was following a vegetarian diet, and I was pretty set on that and you know to me it was um i i bought into it i was hardcore um but in high school i started slowly gaining weight and although i was really active um i really it was really frustrating for me because i thought i was doing the right things um i was eating low fat i was eating vegetarian i was um very conscious of what i was putting in my body um, so I started kind of upping my game and, and reducing calories, um, even more and, and exercising, doing cardio and it worked and it, it worked in, you know, for the first five or 10 pounds. And then I kind of stalled and, um, I found that I needed to 
take things to more drastic measures as most people Mm do. And um, by the time I had gotten to college, I was a cheerleader. And by the time I got into college, it was a full blown just obsession. Like I, I had to continue to get my weight down and I had an image that I wanted to achieve. And um, I ended up taking more drastic measures like you know the whole laxative thing that was going around and pretty popular and I would probably if I self-diagnosed myself I would say that I had exercise bulimia where I would just be in in the gym two to three hours a day and trying Mm -hmm. with the mentality of I have to get off whatever I just ate and it kind of just kept me in jail my entire college career and and not to say that I I had a I loved college I mean it was a blast I had awesome friends and supportive people in my life live life but it was still something that I personally struggled with and uh it was this whole mental you know head game going on and Mm -hmm. luckily I found triathlons and marathons and stuff like that um and I it it turned it it created more of a passion for what I was doing and it kind of took me out of the head game of like I'm just doing this for to lose weight and so I was actually having fun training um, but it, it was still an excuse. Like it was an excuse to work to, to work out two or three hours a day and to run 20 miles, you know, on the weekends. It, it was an excuse to, for me to feel good about myself that I had just, you know, done four hours of cardio. And that meant I probably wasn't going to put on any weight that day based on what I had eaten. Um, and so when I got out of college, I ended up, um, continuing this lifestyle. I worked for a triathlon company and, um, as you might have expected, I just completely, um, I broke. So I, I had so many injuries. I mean, I had plantar fasciitis and calf issues and um, knee issues and anything that you could have thought of. I had it, um, but I sustained an injury in my, to my hip that just put me out for a year and a half. And during that time, I had to really evaluate what the heck was I doing and why? Why was I doing this and why was I so obsessive and why did you know, I went through all those feelings of not feeling worthy and, oh my gosh, I'm starting to gain weight and this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it forced me to, to kind of figure out why was I, why did I feel that way? Like, why was, why was all my worth in, in exercise and the way I looked? Like, most of the people around me didn't care. I mean, nobody cared and nobody cared half as much as I did. That's for sure. I mean, nobody cared about, the five pounds, five or 10 pounds that I, you know, was fluctuating or could have or ended up putting on as a result of, you know, not being able to obsessively work out. And so I ended up kind of, it was a hard year and a half, but I I ended up going to a CrossFit gym and this was in like probably around 2009 and, um, and just decided I was going to work on my imbalances and work on fixing what I had broken and um one of the coaches there told me you have you have to eat fat like you cannot be not eating fat and you have to eat fat to lose fat and Mm -hmm. that just totally changed my life so then of course I did all the research and I kind of freaked out because I was you know all the dogma that you believe around vegetarianism or that you were fed um and not to say that all of it is lies I get where they're coming from but um there's just so many fallacies and so many misconceptions. And so figuring, f- really digging into some of the research and, and finding that out was, was eye-opening. And so I, you know, this was before Rob's book and Rob, you know, what all the available <laughs> resources, you know, back in the day. So it took a lot of time to try to, like, figure out what the heck, you know, I was supposed to be doing. And I did it wrong. I'm sure we all have. But I did paleo 
really wrong, you know, like for the first couple years. And, and I finally decided I just had to like let go and eat intuitively and stop crazy working out, like working, you know, doing tons of cardio. I just said, I'm going to do whatever I think is best for my body, not what's best for my perception of what's going to be good for my appearance. And so once I started doing that, I actually, um, all the weight gain had stopped because I was kind of slowly gaining weight. And, and I just literally, I'm been now maintaining, I, I dropped weight. I've been healthier and stronger and faster, less injuries, you know, all the good fuzzy things. Um, and I've been, and, and, and the best part was my, my mental headspace just completely, um, quieted, like, the battle that was in my head just resolved. It was amazing. So um, that's that's why I started the blog and what I'm doing over there. And because in and I am you know girl power. Like I want a lot of women to see <laughs> you know like what what I went through, and I don't want them to have to experience that. Um, but at the same time, fitness and health is for everybody, and I think that's that's what we want to do with this podcast too is um, focus on fitness and health for both men and women because we do struggle with some of the same issues. So um, those men, you know, they're nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're nice every once in a while. So, um, so yeah, that's me. That's where I've, where I've been. Sorry if that was a little bit too long of a tangent, but yeah. No, I, <laughs> I feel ashamed that I didn't know uh, so many of those things before. I'm well, kind of no. hitting, kicking myself right now. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So enough about us. Let's. Yeah, um, but we're so awesome. <laughs> Let's keep talking. So I think it's time for some <laughs> questions because we have some good ones today. So um, we got about about a half an hour left. So. We can really dive in. So our first question is from Flo. Flo says, I'm eating a high fat coconut I'm eating high fat, coconut oil, avocado, and low carb. I don't eat any grains, processed foods, or sugar other than the very occasional raw honey. And I avoid caffeine. Despite this, I am still overweight. I have been eating this way for a while now, and my my weight is holding on. I feel I'm getting enough to eat and I'm walking. What am I doing wrong? That's an excellent question, and it's interesting because it reads to me like um, I'm doing the paleo thing, but it's not working, right? Like yeah. the paleo thing. I'm eating a high-fat diet, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. But the thing is is that diet and health is so much more particular for every individual. You know, and, and paleo is not just <clears> – <throat> It's not just one thing. It's not just I eat a high fat thing with some protein in it, right? Mm-hmm. I avoid sugar, you know. Um, <clears throat> and that was one of the problems that I noticed in the paleo world when I first came into it. And it's, I think it's really common still now is we're like it's so common for the health advocates, you know, the authors and all of that. It's so common for us to be like cut sugar, cut omega-6 vegetable oils, cut grains and eat some fruits and vegetables and fats and and you'll be fine and and you'll be great and you'll lose weight and everything will be awesome it's like huh that's funny right because it's it's just it's that advice is the most important advice to give because it's what you need at like an introductory this is how to get healthy level basically do these things if you do them you have like the best chance 
with any prescription of general things to get healthy, lose weight, all the stuff. But we all have genes that are different, you know, and we all have uh, histories that are different and, and, you know, especially men versus women and all of that. And so it's, it's really important that, that sometimes we have, to, we have to troubleshoot a little bit more specifically. So anyway, um, I think it's a, you know, it's a bit of an error to assume that eating a low-carb diet is going to make you thin. Right. Right. Like I really, I do believe that calories are important and it's, it's funny because you can like (laughs) the literature on low carb versus low fat diets is really 50, 50, you know, the, both diets seem to be good for weight loss, but what they seem to indicate is that the reason a low fat or a low carb diet is actually effective is that it gets you to eat fewer calories, which is there's debate about whether there's like some sort of metabolic advantage to being super high carb or super high fat. And I think that maybe a tiny bit, but in the end, calories are, calories are pretty important and having a healthy body is important, right? You need to have a healthy thyroid gland. You need to have a healthy uh, insulin and leptin system. All those things are important, but once you get the healthy thing on track and then the calories are important too. So high fat diet, walking, avoiding caffeine isn't working, which is actually kind of, I'm not, not saying funny, but like a lot of people in the paleo world use caffeine, the bulletproof coffee thing right. to actually lose weight. So it is possible. I'm not going to tell you that you should start doing bulletproof coffee, but some people do do it to lose weight. Um, so calories, that's important. Um, if you eat super low carbohydrate, uh, your body needs carbohydrates, sugars, etc., uh, to convert your thyroid hormones into the form of hormone you actually need in your liver, right? You always have this like reserve of something called T4 in your blood, but you won't actually make T3, which is what your cells actually need and what you need to lose weight unless you you need sugar to make that conversion process happen, at least some. So a low-carb diet, especially for women, can threaten hypothyroidism. That's bad. Um, so those are some things, you know, adding some carbohydrate in. I know some very prominent paleo leaders who uh, stalled in their weight loss and then picked it back up again when they added carbohydrates back in. I'm thinking in particular right now of Stacey Toth of Paleo Parents, who talks about that openly, so I feel like I'm not, like, outing her on anything. Um, But the carbs were really helpful for her. Um, And and some women, plain old, need them. some people have a genetic predisposition to not metabolize fat very well. And I don't want to just like say, oh, it's your genes. Just like, you know, can't help anything. That's not what I want to say. But this is like a thing. This is a real thing. And so sometimes a high, a high fat diet just isn't exactly the answer for you. You know, I, not to plug my own work, but I did, <laughs> I wrote a book on weight loss because I was having thoughts like these. And I wanted people to be aware that not maybe like including, but even focusing on carbohydrates instead of fats could be a solution for you specifically. And in the book, I talk about, you know, whether you want to consider, I list criteria for whether a low carb or low fat diet, whatever would be best for you. And I do that specifically because in a in a situation like this, I would want to sit down and I would want to ask you more specifically about what you're eating, you know, if you're eating carbs, how often and when and all that sort of stuff. And my general recommendation is to start with like 100 grams of carbohydrate a day. 
And I mean that in addition to like your green vegetables. So um, a couple pieces of fruit or some rice or a half a sweet potato with every meal, something like that, just to keep your thyroid gland pumping. Um, your inflammation levels need to be really low in order to lose weight. And it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to tell from a few sentences, like what somebody is doing in, in all of their health things, right. you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to literally, I'm looking at four lines of text right now and to say like, oh yeah, this is your problem. The only thing we know is that she's eating high, she's eating high fat paleo and she's still overweight. You know, there could be a lot of things going on, but the thyroid is an idea. The carbohydrates is an idea. Um, you know, lowering inflammation, whatever ways possible, you know, making sure you eat some fish, um, maybe consider a fermented cod liver oil supplement. You know, we love green pastures. That's the paleo go-to, but it's the go-to for a really good reason. It's got a lot of nutrients in it. Um, meats, organ meats, livers are really nutrient dense. Um, meal timing, you know, I wouldn't fast. I wouldn't say you should eat two meals a day, but I wouldn't say you should eat six either. Yeah, I would say three to four meals a day is good. Um, and I also, I left this for last because I thought you might want to chime in on this, especially Noelle. Um, the fitness you do can be really great for your weight loss. You know, I don't know. Um, you say you're walking. It's really important to be active throughout the day and not just one period during the day. You know, if you're sitting down the rest of the time, the walking for a half hour at night probably isn't doing much. You know, maybe if you did a half hour in the morning, the afternoon and night, you know, it would probably um, be a little bit more effective. And you also want to consider upping the intensity on your workouts, uh, depending on where you're coming from. If you have injuries or whatever, I totally understand. But if you're in decent health and fit shape and, and your body can handle it, some sprinting kinds of things could be really awesome. So yeah, over to you. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and and I think that exercise is a big part of it. I know diet's most of it, but um, doing, you know, for her, it might just be hooking up with a really good trainer that'll take her through some, some weightlifting, um, even mm-hmm. if she's not totally prepared yet to do some sort of intensity um, that mm-hmm. could that could really be the knob that turns up the the metabolic furnace. But if she's really struggling and really stuck, I mean, I I absolutely thought of the thyroid just because the thyroid is so interconnected with hormonal function. I mean, we didn't get any information from her on hormonal levin- levels, but I'm wondering if she's ever had her hormone levels checked for imbalances mm-hmm. of any sort um, ever, because uh, low progesterone depresses. TPO, which is that enzyme enzyme that helps convert T4 to T3. Um, and also estrogen fluctuations can spark um, or be the catalyst for Hashimoto's because mm-hmm. uh, during or after, like the, that's why a lot of women post uh, baby um, develop conditions like Hashimoto's. So I would say check and see if you have other symptoms. Like, are, are, do you have fatigue or depression and dry, dry skin, thinning hair, um, sensitivity to cold, and and to get more help and information on that because it is hard to understand. I mean, it, we all know the lab test could be totally skewed. I mean, look normal and you're not normal. So, um, I recommend the book "Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms." Um, by Datis Karazian. It's a fantastic book. It'll really show you um, some information, especially if you want to get the right test done 
um, et cetera, et cetera. But the major thing that we're missing here is um, stress. I'm just wondering what her stress levels are because if there's something going on in her life that's causing chronic stress, I mean, it's going to completely sabotage all of her efforts to, you know, lose weight, period. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But there's, I mean, there's also the actual, like... Like doctors will tell you that stress will make you lose weight because it, I guess that depends on like what stage of adrenal fatigue you're at. Right. But adrenal activity, adrenal activity tends to make you burn fat faster, which is, which is really terrible. It also can cause really horrible immune system problems down the line, which is why the chronic piece is really important. You know, maybe periods of acute stress can be like good for you metabolically. I'm using air quotes there. I don't think stress is good for you metabolically. Um, But the the chronic piece is is really important, but I also I hate to tell people that it's just like oh you're too stressed out. That's like what kind of like how how are you helping me by telling me that you know? Well, here's the thing. I I, I think that stress can come in a number of ways. So I, what I'm more referring to here is the chronic stress, which we know that kind of having if you're exposing your body to chronic stress or you're not managing your stress appropriately, whether it's through work or your family life or somebody in your life just died, or if it's chronic cardio like I did, you know, and you have this Mm, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we know the stress response. What chronic stress does is increase cortisol. Cortisol is great. It's an awesome hormone. It helps, you know, anti-inflame what we've got going on. But when the brain reads that cortisol is in excess, it it, your body is think it does everything that it needs to do to stay alive. So for some people, and I, you know, you're exact, you're absolutely right. I think for some people, when they're under a lot of stress, they do, excuse me, they do lose weight. But for some people like me, um, and especially if you're already overweight, um, you're when you're stressed out, your body becomes, and I'm going to say again, chronic stress. Your body becomes really efficient with the energy that you need to burn so it can downregulate your metabolic rate and then also mm-hmm. the energy that you have stored it it loves to make sure that it holds on to it and not doesn't get rid of it so yeah i would say i know that we are all stressed but you have got to be more aware of the stressors you're exposing your body to and then finding ways to relieve stress so i used to be a stressed out mess and i know that that is why in addition to other things, I know that that's why I had a lot of problems with my weight. Um, you know, I've, of course, we both have the whole anxiety thing going on too. But I, I now I'm in a maintenance phase in my life where I mean I don't do things like I'm over the whole advice of like take a bath. You know, like no, not that's not going to no. like review no. <laughs> leave my stress. <laughs> um, but I have to do I have to do things throughout the day. So it's literally whatever I do to start my day. So if I right now it's I ha, I do not open up my computer. I don't start my phone until I've had ten to fifteen minutes of like cat, making sure my mind is quieted. Whether that's with devotions or prayer, you know that could be meditation. That could be sitting out on the porch. But that is you have got to actively figure out a way to catch your catch those thoughts that can really just drive you insane, you know, and, um, and, and practice quieting your mind. 
And for me, it's maybe in the middle of the day, it's going for a walk and and listening to a podcast that's totally not productive to my life or, you know, like listening to music, something that, I, that I'm not going to like be like, oh, I got to be taking notes or I got to be thinking about things. And um, so I have to actively do it in little spurts throughout the day, especially when I feel myself starting to get a little razzed, you know, like. Uh, I'm going to lose it. So, you know, I have to like actively grab some of those thoughts. And this happens at night, too, of course, when we put your head down, then all of a sudden you start thinking about everything. So I've I've had to learn how to actively grab thoughts and and center it. Um, Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, you know, like do thinking during the day so that when you lay down to go to sleep at night, like it doesn't overwhelm you because that's just that's so that's so common. And I'm also like, I'm so over the thing, like the do yoga thing. Like, yeah, yes. (laughs) Yoga is awesome. But like, if you, any article you ever read on stress reduction, it'll give you a list of things to do. And one of them is yoga or, you know, here's the thing, here's the thing you do sit and meditate for 15 minutes. And like you said, I think that's amazing, but there are also really big things you can do to like reorganize your priorities, like actually say no to things you don't want to do. Like find the problems in your life if it's a if it's a roommate or a family member or a friend or a job or whatever, like find the problems and fix them as best as you can, you know, and the things you can't fix, um, try and rethink them and, and come to accept them, you know, be very incorporate more Tao into your life, you know. <laughs> um like I, I've, it's like it's a really it's a really serious thing, and I, as in all things, you'll hear me say this a lot. I'm so sorry. I've written a book on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you have four. Um, okay, it hasn't been released yet, but like okay, yeah, stress is big, and and your body will not be healthy in just about like all of the ways. And I don't want to play like the four women card. But um, this is especially true for women. You know, it's it's a little bit easier for the bo- the male body to handle stress, and the female body is like, oh, babies, no. So it, it it won't it won't shoulder that as easily. And we know that weight loss is like harder for women than it is for men. Or maybe the right answer is more complicated, or we just don't quite have it figured out yet because hashtag two thousand years of patriarchy, right? So um, <laughs> I have never used that hashtag, but. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, like maybe, maybe weight loss for women isn't all that, um, all that much worse. And we just don't quite have it figured out yet. Um, Mm -hmm. as a culture, I think, I think I've, I've, I'm getting a pretty good handle on it and maybe flow, uh, will be too, and can be in touch if, uh, if she's got any thoughts or if things change and wants to let us know how awesome her newly reignited weight loss has been. (laughs) You know, and I, I wanted to bring this up too. I'm not sure if you've had experience with this or seen this with clients, but just because you're not eating sugar or you're eating low carbohydrate doesn't mean that you don't have blood sugar issues. Like I've seen clients who have incredible blood sugar imbalances, which can lead to insulin resistance, but um, because of of the stress that they're going through, or and yeah. that could be a number of things, but typically what it stems from is um, the adrenals, you know, they regulate blood sugar. So if you are in a constant state or you're in a state of chronic stress and you're over demanding that of your adrenals, then your ability to regulate, regulate blood sugar is going to, uh, be impaired. So that, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a, that's actually something that I struggle with. My adrenal glands are always in overdrive because they, they regulate everything. 
Um, they also regulate electrolyte balance, and I have an electrolyte problem because mm. it's a side effect from a drug I took, and yada, it's a very long story, so I'll just leave it there. <laughs> um, but, like, it doesn't – it's it's imperative for me to, like, pay attention to what my blood sugar is doing, and your adrenal glands are so – are so in, intrinsically caught up in that, and when those babies are firing, you know, over the long term – it just sends like, you know, just like dominoes, everything in your body. Yeah, the whole so. endocrine system. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's some stuff to think about, Flo. So some let us know stuff. how it goes with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I add one more thing? No. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> um, consider also the, uh, if you're, uh, this is to Flo and all women, um, another influence, we didn't really talk much about female hormones, but birth control can play a really big role in stalling weight loss, you know, right. or if you have an estrogen load left over in your liver or, you know, have eaten a lot of soy in your past or what have you. So, right. um, consider lowering your dosage or switching to a natural alternative of birth control if you're on it. And, um, I don't know, this is a long conversation, but liver detox also do that. <laughs> We'll, we'll save that for later. We'll save that for later. And um, I write about it all the time. Yeah. So forthcoming. Okay. So our next question is from one of our Facebook friends, Angela. Angela asks, hi, ladies. I'd love to know what your personal carb intake is. How do you figure out what is the right carb intake for you? Also, are, is there any women you wouldn't recommend paleo for? I love this question. I yeah. <laughs> I love when questions like feed right into the things that I really want to talk about. <laughs> and both aspects of the question I love so much. Okay, the first part, um, what is your carb intake? I just enjoy being shocking. My carb intake is enormous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so very recently I've I've decreased it a little bit um because I'm living in Spain mm-hmm. and my food options are a little bit different than when I'm in um, Boston. Um, but generally when I was living in Boston, I would say, God, okay. So I also, I dance several hours a day, which ups my athletic carbohydrate need, et cetera. Um, so there is a grain of salt to that, but I would probably, carbohydrates are at least 50% of my diet. Probably, probably more. Um, I've written blog posts called 12, 12 apples a day. And I'm not insulin resistant, which is true. I'm not insulin resistant. And I have very many times eaten 12 apples in one day because they're cheap and I have no money. You okay. sound really lazy. <laughs> <laughs> also lazy. Yes. Um, so, yeah. At other points in my life, it's been much lower. And like I said, in the last couple of weeks, I've been eating a lot more olive oil uh, for calories and animal products. And it's just it's sort of happened that way. So I don't want anybody to panic. If you feel, if you feel the need, if you feel the need, or you just kind of want to eat on the higher end of, of carbohydrates, if you want to eat a low fat diet, that's okay. For your health, that's okay. Um, if you have blood sugar regulation problems, maybe not. You know, maybe you want to um, consider where those problems are coming from. It could be a gut issue. You know, because your gut is so strongly tied to blood sugar health. Um, there's a lot of things there, you know, or there's really good evidence that shows that being diabetic or pre-diabetic or insulin resistant, you may want to reduce carbs 
But if you're not those things, like carbs can be great. Even if you are those things, <laughs> sometimes carbs can be great. So bottom line, don't panic. That's what I do. Um, I want to come back to the disordered eating. Oh, I just gave away my answer. I want to <laughs> come back to the no paleo diet question in yeah. a second and um, first get your carb intake. Okay. Um Mine actually varies. Like, I'm not really that interesting. I don't have, you know, some shocking news to reveal. But I'm actually – I'm doing more of a high-fat uh, approach right now. I There are times in my life where I'm doing more, you know, longer-distance training or, d- you know, d- different things. And I just grub on some carbs. I, I really – I don't track it. I've – again, I, I'm kind of doing the more eat-intuitively thing. So right now mm-hmm. I'm really finding that I'm more focused and more balanced with a high-fat, high, higher-fat approach. And that doesn't mean I eat low-carb. I still – after my workouts, I just – you know, I eat sweet potatoes. I soak rice and I consume rice at dinner sometimes and, and I feel great. So that's me. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Very important to eat after your workouts, ladies. Just a shout out. Um, otherwise, your your testo- testosterone levels can run away um, with themselves. So, um, holler. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, who would I not recommend the paleo diet for? Yeah, I would not recommend the paleo diet to people who for whom it destroys your mental health. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, of course, that doesn't mean that paleo would destroy anybody's mental health for any particular reason. But it does happen. Any sort of way of eating for some people, it does happen. I have actual clients who I take off of the paleo diet, even though that's my shtick, paleo for women. Um, Sometimes for people being restrictive in any way, it just sort of sends them down the rabbit hole. And if you are that way, like I... I I would recommend considering that, you know. Um, yeah, I I think that's I think that's really important. The only time I will say this also, the only time I think it's important to be really strictly paleo is when you have an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have an autoimmune disease, I think paleo should be more like guidelines you really love and choose because you personally want to be healthy and you want to be healthy for the sake of the people in your life who care about you, you know, and for the sake of not having Alzheimer's when you're older and can still be a contributing member of society. Those things are really important to me. So I choose paleo on a daily basis because, and I choose, or maybe the better way to put it is I choose these really nourishing foods, which just so happen to like mostly constitute the paleo diet. Um, I would have a piece of really great bread if someone offered it to me. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really like bread that much anymore. But my point is uh, paleo should be a choice and a healthy one at that. And if you're at an orthorexic kind of place, if you're at a place where you're really like over nitpicking and obsessing about health, I think the first thing you need to do is heal yourself in in your heart, you know, and in your brain and have discussions with the people you need to, whether it be a therapist or family members and definitely yourself. Um, There are a lot of really good books out there on self-love. I really like my book on (laughs) (laughs) self-love. I hate myself so much. I hate myself so much. I didn't even want to say it. I didn't even want to, but here's the thing. I really like the things personally. I mean, human beings, 
<laughs> everybody thinks they're right about everything. Right. Right. Like we can't help it. I know that I'm wrong, but I, I, I tr- but I don't know what the right thing is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know that there are things about which I am wrong, but I don't know what they are. We all think that anyway, we all think we have the right thing to say. My book is pretty good. There are lots of other really awesome books out there. Um, and those are the kinds of things that I think, like, I think that mental health is primary over physical. And I know, I know that they are so related. You need a personally, it's been huge for me. I needed to heal physical problems in order to overcome my anxiety, which was terrifying and overwhelming. I needed, it was, I had a physical problem. So there is that, but by and large, I would not recommend a paleo diet to somebody for whom it is, you know, mentally, physically, mentally challenging. Yeah. And I, I think Thanks. that what we need to remember and what the world needs to remember is that our carbohydrate intake is going to vary greatly from our neighbors or our sister or our son or our spouse or our dog. Like, we are all very individual human beings and we all come from varying genetic backgrounds and you can find your right carbohydrate intake, but don't, don't go seeking dogma based on what worked for one person, because that's not necessarily going to work for you. I mean, we know ancestrally that there are tribes and traditional cultures who have complete contrasting carbohydrate intakes. So you know, like the Inuit, I think we've pretty much all been made aware of them who they consume 90% of their calories from fat and they have no biomarkers of disease and no, you know, but at the same time, Katavans in the Pacific Islands, and I think we've all talked about the Okinawans in Japan, they have 70 to 85% of their calories from carbohydrates. So they're kind of beating you, Stephanie. Um, and they're, and they're lean. And I might have, I, I might have been lowballing my carb intake. Yeah, I know you did. I know you did. 12 and a half was a day. I think it's more than 50%, but I get it. Um, no, I said at least. Yeah. But look, so we have evidence of the, both of these cultures being healthy and thriving. And so, that's all just to say that you could be, you know, Based on wherever your genetic background or your heritage is, whatever's best for you, you're going to have to figure that out personally. So, I mean, answering certain questions like, you know, what what is your metabolic health? Like you touched on, Steph, and what what are your goals? Like, what is your activity level? How's your thyroid? Do you are how's your fertility? Like, so if you answer some of those questions, then that'll help you discover, you know. And then also, how do you feel? Like, just go. I, I know how I feel. I have to be aware of how do you feel when I eat this amount of carbohydrate and when I don't. So it's all about being able to be flexible and and all those things. So boom. Yeah. Good answer. Carbs. Carbs, answer. carbs, carbs. So we tackled two really big topics today and we're already at 47 minutes so let's move on into our last little segment and we'll do the paleo for one in our next podcast because we could probably go on forever so um so so our next segment is called what i recommend and today we're going to talk about travel snacks so especially since 
the Ruper is traveling Spain right now and all over Europe and you're living out of a backpack. What are your top recommended travel snacks that are getting you through what you got going on? (laughs) This is so funny. I feel so terrible when people ask me about recommendations for food at all because I'm, I'm so, I don't, I'm so terribly boring. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so terribly boring. I mean, like, I just know I have so many friends. Like I could direct you to George or Haley or Bill or Stacy or whatever, um, da- Danielle. I could send you to them and they would be like, oh, here's like a recipe for a like a meringue encrusted little like bacon wrapped thing you can put in a little thing and take with you. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have that for you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, here's... I can't even I can't even imagine what they would be. I know that they exist, but this is how far away I am from being culinarily interesting is that like I know that there's a little wrapped bacon thing, but I don't I don't know what it is because I don't I just don't know. Okay. So what I do um I always like it's very important for me personally to have protein, fat and carbs all the time. And so um when I'm in the States, I don't have access to it here, but when I'm in the States, I always have a small jar of coconut butter with me and that's my fat or avocados or macadamia nuts. Like those are three really awesome choices. I really like canned fish, especially when they're canned in olive oil so that, you know, add mm-hmm. some fat to the protein. Um, and, you know, they make ones with the little like pop tops and it's a little tough to do that on an airplane because you don't want to like... <laughs> You don't want to like open up a can of kippered herring on an airplane. Like it would be like a twenty seat radius of people who would hate you. I totally you smell like kippered herring. I totally would do that. So I don't care. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, but there are there are varieties of fish that smell less bad. Like tuna, yeah. tuna is a right. little bit less like the smell travels less far. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> um, I do coconut butter, avocados, or macadamia nuts for my fat. Um, I always carry little salt packets with me, you know, mm-hmm. like you can just take a bunch of them at McDonald's or something. <laughs> um, and those will go good with those things. Um, the canned fish jerky is great. Um, any sort of preserved meats are like totally awesome. Um, and they travel really well. And, um, and then carbs, um, for carbs, uh, whole fruit. If I have, um, space, it's funny though. I've definitely gone to like big, like dance festivals and had like, I don't even want to. I had like 15 pounds of like apples in my bag. Okay, wait, 15 is an exaggeration. How many, like five or six minimum pounds of apples, like in like taking up space in my bag. Um, Dried fruit though also works. I I really do uh, like trail mix for traveling. I think it's awesome. You know, there's a great raw, there's a lot of great raw mixes out there. Um, I'm a big, I'm a Trader Joe's loyalist. So, Mm. so Trader Joe's raw mix, I really like. Um, and that's, I mean, that's kind of it. There's a lot of other stuff I suppose you could, you could do, but these are really simple, inexpensive, super endurable travel foods. You know, like you don't have to worry about them, like getting soggy or anything like Mm -hmm. this stuff lasts. Yep. Oh, one more thing. Trader Joe's makes this amazing, like (laughs) Trader Joe's, um, like the meat of a coconut. They like, just like cut it out of the coconuts and put it in packaging and these little like half moon strips what? and they're just phenomenal. And I love them. Yeah. I just, I discovered them right before I came here and I bought a bunch of stuffed them in my backpack. Uh, maybe I'm not paying attention. I've ne- I haven't seen those. 
they were I was surprised as well. If in the little section where all like the nuts and the dried fruit is, it was okay. right there. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it's like it's just plain coconut flesh in um like very lightly sweetened. Not in the way, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not too much and sweetening is always too much for me. It's good. I love them. Cool. Yeah. So I'm going to take a different angle because uh, you're traveling out of a small backpack and I travel, do not travel light. So I am becoming old and whatever I need to make me feel comfortable, I take it. So (laughs) (laughs) I am that, that girl now. Um, Uh, You are getting old. That's very, that's like. That's a turning point. That's a big turning point. That and then going to bed before New Year's even hit. That is what we did. It was, I mean, we have reached a low. So, Um, and I don't have kids, so I have no excuse. Okay. But you're, you are married. I am married. For me, that's also very old. You're married. That's very (laughs) old. And um, yeah, there are those things for sure. Do you have a pet? That's old. I do have a very cute pet. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um. So what I typically do and what I've gotten into the the I don't know I've kind of gotten into the norm this has been my norm and and, and I do this when I go home to families I do I do this basically when I go anywhere that's away from my house I end, I end up taking up my my own salt and pepper so I've actually found mm-hmm. little travel ones that um I found them at Home Goods man I love that place but little travel Himalayan sea salt or you can also get the Redmond real salt travel things I take those everywhere even when we just go out to eat now because The plain salt is just – it just doesn't even make me feel good. I just don't like it. Don't like the taste. I like to enjoy my food, and I like salt. Um, The second is I always take my own dessert, and for dessert, that doesn't mean what you think. Like, I don't take cookies with me. Like, I usually just take a bar of, like, dark chocolate. Oh, and I know that you love that stone ground chocolate, that Taza. I think that's what it's called, Taza? Chocolate? Yeah. Yeah. Taza. Oh, yeah, it's, it's my fave. So good. I found it at Home Goods and it is so good. So I'll just take like a little round thing like that. Like I'll take a, if I'm going to be away for a while, I'll take a couple of those. Um, especially I'm going out of the country because if you go out of the country and you're with like a group of people, let's say on vacation or whatever, another couple or whatever, like we went with my family this past uh, year and the, it's hard when everybody's getting served desserts. And I haven't, I have a major intolerance to dairy and, um, also gluten. So <laughs> my life can get a little, you know, dicey if I'm away for a long period of time. And so I experienced a massive reaction that was so unpleasant um, because I thought I could – I for some reason in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'll just eat a little bit and I'll be fine. And of course I did it the night before we had to get up and get on our flight. So, you know, I'm like having these episodes where I cannot – like I have to run to the bathroom and sure, you know, I, I hear I'm about to get on the plane. Like you're, you're going to tell me that I can't get up and go to the bathroom for – it was a nightmare. So – I've learned my lesson where I take my own desserts. I take my, you know, whatever I want to enjoy. And typically I I like my own stuff better. I like my little stone stone ground chocolate or cocoa runes or, you know, there's a couple of brands, um, paleo treats and also Hail Marys, which those have to actually be refrigerated. So you have to be careful with some of those. But I take the, I take a big old bag of those with me. And and so when everybody's enjoying dessert, like I have my own thing and I like it better and I'm not sick. Um, and the third thing, and I don't do this when I'm flying, but when I'm driving, we always take our own, um, olive oil or go get our own olive oil from Whole Foods when we get there, just because most of the restaurants that we go to don't have, um, 
good quality. Does this sound totally high maintenance? Doesn't have <laughs> you take olive oil to restaurants? Yeah, no, I don't take it to restaurants. So like if we, like if I if I go to a restaurant, I'm okay. But like when we travel, we find stop laughing. When we travel, it's so funny. Oh my god, you go into a restaurant and you're like, oh, can, can the chef get more olive oil, Dude, please? I would totally do it. Uh, here's my yeah. I would whip it out of my purse. I totally. I am not. I do no shame in my game here because I use a lot of olive oil on my salads and stuff like that. So we always take our own because I always make my own salads at my parents' house and my my husband's parents' house. And we also, when we travel, like if we go to New York City, we always try to be close to a Whole Foods where we can go stock up on some like carrots and broccoli and, you know, stuff to make salads. And then we just use our own olive oil. So yeah, that those are my three high maintenance things. Wow. You can I've, laugh at I before. feel like I didn't even know you before. I know. When we travel together, we're going to have so much fun. I don't know when, but you're going to be very patient and <laughs> and you're going to learn from the best. So <laughs> Great. Thank you. Okay. So do you have anything else to say? I think we're good. I think we're good. We got to get you going. You got other things to do, so. Got another podcast in 90 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being awesome and spending time with us today. To send us a question for the podcast, email us at paleowomenpodcast at gmail.com. For more from us, you can find Stephanie at paleoforwomen.com and me, Noelle, at coconutsandkettlebells.com. Talk to you next week.